This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7 the ticket veteran and Bill Callahan fan club president, Jake Bakovin. I love Billy Steele. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call. Not going to. We're done. And uh, he shows you who he is. There you go. That's opening it up with the story of the day. The story that we'll talk to uh, plenty about. Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher going at one another. Uh, it's it's uh, it's really made a, a great day and, and a lot more entertaining here uh, for us college football fans. Strick, have you been able to uh, follow uh, this? Basically, Saban versus the world, it seems like. He's taking on the NIL uh, halves, I suppose, and Jimbo Fisher, Deion Sanders uh, is jumping in on there. Um, it, it's just been, it's been an entertaining whirlwind. Have you been able to keep up a little bit? Um, a, a little bit. I, I definitely... Um tapped in on it. I, I know that uh, how Dion feels about it and, and how it's kind of just pushing probably smaller HBC that, that he's starting to kind of get a little bit of traction on and, and getting a little bit of exposure to NFL uh, GMs. I mean, it's not like HBCUs or smaller colleges don't ever get, <laughs> get drafted. I mean, yeah. you can look at some of the Hall of Famers and know. So it's not that. He's just kind of raising, I guess, a little bit more awareness to that. And, and, and when you're getting into NIL, they're already short on facilities. They're already short on different areas. And, and he feels that that really puts them out uh, outside uh, looking in with opportunities for, uh, you know, some kids that, he'll be able to land. I mean, he's been able to land some good ones. I think he's trying to expand it uh, outside of Jackson state onto other uh, programs and throughout the, uh, you know, the MEAC and, and the uh, uh, SWAC and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, so I, I, I actually understand both sides of the conversation. I think, um, I think Nick Saban, I'm going to give a different perspective on it. I don't think Nick Saban is as upset about it as he's trying to make sure that the core goal is really parity, right? He knows he's probably coming down to a waning. He's had great success. Um, he's had success in whatever platform you basically put him in, um, whatever silo you've tried to, to, to uh, put him in and limit him. Uh, him and his staffs, he's, he's sent guys, he's sent coaches all across the country, um, and he's had continuous success. So I don't, I, I'm not going to say that it's from a standpoint of worry for him. I think he's really just trying to figure out a way to not allow the little guys to get left behind. And so I, you know, I could be wrong. It, it could be some 
animus in it, but I don't, I don't think so, man. I, I really do. I just think that he's, he's looking at it. Um, he's not a regular checkers or chess player. He, he plays 5D chess, I think, in the way that yeah. he handles recruiting and the way that he handles um, business uh, on campus, dealing with boosters and the whole nine. I think he's looking at it with a broad scope and a broad brush, and he's trying to figure out a way to make sure that there is his core goal of parity that, that is capable, not to say that it will be, but that it's possible. And so um, that's that's kind of the way I see it. And, and there's going to be some arguments, you know, on both sides of that spectrum. And I see all of it. I understand. it. Yeah. And it, it is. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting because it's basically saving um, saying what we've all been saying about NIL and using the examples that are obvious. Right. I mean, Jackson State uh, was a big one when it was uh, uh, announced on and on signing day. And we all kind of uh, focused our attention on that. Um, obviously, the Miami basketball team that he mentioned and then Texas A&M. I mean, there's no. Uh, not much question there. I mean, Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, they're, you know, held in high regard in college football, but not number one in the class, you know, number one class without um, some help going on. And again, um, to me, I don't have too much of a problem with these schools like Texas A&M um, because I think Nebraska is kind of in that in that category, too, where it's like these schools have prepared and, and gone you know out of their way to get this collective thing going um, for the wild, wild west, which was upon us. And finally, you know, it's here and some of these schools are benefiting more than others. Well, I think it's partially based on your preparedness, but I also agree with you with, with Saban. I think that he's kind of um, moved past talking about everything in his own self-interest because he knows Alabama's good. There's, you know, he, he doesn't have to be the one to stand up and fight uh, on behalf of the side that he's taken. Um, but he just feels like he's a big enough name in, in college football that he is. And then, of course, Jimbo fired back, calling him a czar and thinking he's God and all this stuff. So um, it's uh, yeah. it, it's it's certainly become very interesting. Uh, and we'll, we'll follow along because Saban's supposed to have a radio appearance too. So we'll kind of see how that uh, breaks down next. Also, some other storylines I wanted to get to um, today in this first segment, Sam Cook, longtime uh, uh, Baltimore Ravens punter, and of course, originally a Nebraska punter, calling it a 16 year career. Um, might have seen this coming. The Ravens took a punter, really fourth or fifth round out of Kansas State or whatever, uh, in the draft. And so that's kind of what I was thinking is, all right, well, what does that mean for Sam Cook? Um, could I see him in a different uniform? And uh, that's not the case. He's, he's retiring. He announced today. Um, and uh, and he's the that leaves Justin Tucker as the only player on that Ravens Super Bowl team that's left. But as far as Sam Cook goes, um, you know, played, I, I believe, in, at Seward uh, before getting to Nebraska. So he's a great kind of like small town Nebraska story um, that's just, you know, just done it all and, and, and had a great career. Um, you know, you could kind of remember most of his highlights are, are punts. So I don't know how excited some people get for those. I love punts. I, you know, I specifically was reading an article today about how he had eight punts in the Alamo Bowl, um, and all of them were like a 50-yard average. I mean, all of them were just boomers. So um, it, 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 one of the best punters in Nebraska history, so I, I just thought it was worth noting uh, his 16-year career kind of coming to an end there. Well, yeah. I, I mean, listen, I I think that's phenomenal, in especially when you're talking about the way the – the salary cap and uh, the movement that happens from year to year. Um, when you look at the business aspect of, of the NFL on salaries and uh, continuous negotiations and being able to cut people in order to make room and space. Um, 
to be in one place that long, I that's that's awesome, bro. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just I mean, two two hundred fifty six games um, as a Ravens player. That is, I mean, that's a tremendous uh, career that he's had, and, and that he's been able to spend in in the um, um, you know the D.C. and Baltimore area uh, on one team. And this ultimately came down to a business decision, right? The Ravens basically, uh, with this retirement of, of um, Sam, freed up $2.1 million, and it gives them the opportunity that can be used to sign a receiver or pass rusher um, to fill some gaps or some needs that they may have uh, there. Right now, Baltimore, um, having a punter of his stature, uh is has the NFL's third highest cap figure at 3.175 million and the 28th highest so when you look at it from a whole you know it gives the it gives the Ravens 7 million dollars of cap room to be able to do some stuff with so um great career great honor we uh, reverence him for his time that he spent in what he was able to do in a Husker uniform and also an NFL and kudos to Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool story. And just, uh, just a mainstay uh, in the, in a, in a league where there's so much movement and especially for Nebraska football, you know, he kind of went in at a time where there was Nebraska football players being drafted left and right. And so maybe the specialists kind of get lost, but there were a lot of them in the league, uh, you know, from Kyle Larson, who was punting before him, he had to wait his time at Nebraska. If you can imagine a, an NFL punter for 16 years, not being able to punt the first two years he's on campus because there's another NFL punter and Kyle Larson ahead of him and just back in those days Nebraska um, it's kind of funny with the special teams problems that have arisen of, of late I know um, Tom Stevens was trying to convince DP a few years ago this used to be kicker you this is like kicker you punter you this is right. a great university for that and just watching special teams as of late you're like I just can't even imagine that that, that couldn't happen but um, you know I think that's an underrated aspect as to why Nebraska had a, a great l- run as long as they did. And, of course, there were times when missed kicks hurt them, you know, and you think about the 93 championship or, 90, you know, that you know the 93 championship season. Um, you know, they didn't always have stellar kickers, but there for a long while it was like Nebraska fans uh, almost got cozy and not knowing what the, you know, you always get the jokes on Twitter, hashtag college kickers. Nebraska fans didn't have to deal with that for a long time. And uh, when, you can, when you can rely on, you know, not having shanks or surprising short fields and, um, you know, hitting 35 or 40 yard field goals could make a heck of a difference. And I think Nebraska fans certainly have learned that as of late. And, and, and listen, though, another thing to, to point out um, is that Sam wasn't just, you know, a punter. Yeah. He, he was actually an athlete. You know what I mean? Like he 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 had skills beyond just what he was able to uh, to to shine in. And that's punting. Right. I think something that I looked when I was looking at Sam is that um, he has <laughs> he has probably an unusual uh, major badge of honor <laughs> for the Ravens. He is the all time leader in passer rating. Nice. <laughs> how, how, how does that happen? Right. Because, you know, listen, there's you when you have an athlete and you have somebody that has capabilities of you. You can do so many things in the special teams. Look at how bad and how much trouble our special. Like, think if we had a Sam uh, Kaj. You know what I mean? Like, 
if he was on our special teams in the last just five years, oh, yeah. how much of a difference that he could have made, right? Yeah. But but with that record, I mean, he has completed seven of eight passes on fake punts for 82 yards. So that's a rating of 109.4. <laughs> so therefore, he holds the record. To be fair, <laughs> like, the defenses aren't ready for his passes. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. And then he had a situation against the Raiders in 2012 where there was a fake punt, and, and he showed, like, tremendous agility. Uh, on a seven-yard touchdown run that made him look like he was freaking one of their better running backs on the team. So, <laughs> I mean, listen, it, it, I, you can say a lot about him, man. He's done a lot to help them to win games. He's had a tremendous career with them. And I, I'm just going to continue to just shout out the love, man. That's yeah. that's that's so awesome that he's able to uh, to do it the way that he did it and with the with one team, man. That's so hard these days, bro. Well, and I know, too, so he was like their third quarterback on the roster, right? Because the NFL teams only carry two. So on game day, yeah. if they lost two of them, they were going to go to Sam Cook. <laughs> so luckily, he never had to worry too much about, uh, you know, hurting that uh, seven of eight completion percentage. But he, you could see on the pl- passes that he did have, he kind of sling it. So uh, it's kind of cool to, to see him, you know, kind of fall out his career. And, and again, just be a mainstay of in that Baltimore Ravens locker room. And then, you know, as far as the ex-Husker thing goes, just uh, for, for more, a decade and a half uh, to kind of represent Nebraska there. So very cool story uh, as he is, is retiring. He is, by the way, staying on uh, to kind of help uh, mentor the younger guys. Uh, so he's yeah. not going to be, you know, obviously a player on the team, but uh, they, they named some role for him or something or other. But, um, you know, that's dope. expect him to that's hang so around dope. the Ravens. Yeah, that's so dope. But then also, to, I mean, let's think about that, right? Think about a career average of over 45 yards. Yeah. That means you're booming ball. Oh, yeah. I mean, my gosh. Like, that's that's stuff that when you're especially talking about football, those those change of field positions that you're able to put your team in positive field field position throughout games, um, especially when you have over the years had – tremendous defenses that the Ravens have had, right? It isn't that the Ravens have had super great quarterbacks. They've always had just management type of quarterbacks, right? They've guys that just basically hand the ball off. They've always had running games. Now, listen, even with um, – Lamar? Yes. Yeah. Gosh, I hate that when that (laughs) happens when my mom gets a little far. Even with with Lamar Jackson, man, they – they still are still one of the top running teams out there, right? And they basically pass out of necessity. It isn't that Lamar can't throw the ball. It's just that they basically work off of field position and making sure that they win those battles and then they run the ball and they waste the clock and they beat you down and then they hit you with bombs. And then they, that's kind of been their format. And it's been the same thing. Very play-action dominated team over the years. And and, and that's how they, they, they maintain, you know, success over the years. Yeah. Uh, off the text line, Brian uh, says uh, Sam played middle linebacker for the South team in the 2001 Shrine Bowl. So there you go. He's, a, he's an athlete in high school. Um, and uh, Jory says, uh, <laughs> why can't he come coach our opponents? Yeah, that, that might be helpful too. But I mean, he's, he's developed quite a bond with the Baltimore Ravens. So, um, you know, maybe down so the much easier. No, so much easier do, dealing in yeah. the NFL with and, professionals. And, and the, <laughs> it's so much easier. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's egos and anything, but it's so much easier. Um, I understand why, like some of my friends, they stayed in the professional side of things. You know, they, they work the guys out, they deal with the guys it's rapport driven. And then, you know, at the end of the season, 
you know, you just touch the players every now and then uh, in the offseason, especially the younger ones, the the rookies or the two and three year uh, players. And some guys, development coaches or, you know, bench bench coaches will go and meet up with a couple of players if they're in L.A. or if they're in, 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 in Vegas, where there's a lot of uh, players will go and train. Uh, if they're in Florida, they they come down there as well. They'll just go down there, meet those guys, work them out, and then shoot back home. You yeah. know, and it's so much easier than having to hit the grind of, of recruiting and dealing yeah. with all that you sometimes have to deal with. Not that that's a problem. Some people enjoy that, and that's okay. But it's easier definitely dealing on the professional level. Yeah, it definitely takes a special personality to enjoy recruiting. You hear that from just about any coach. Eventually, that kind of wears on you. You might like it for a year or two, but my goodness. Get you some gray hair, but I don't have a lot <laughs> yeah. of that right now, <laughs> yeah. other than my beard. Yeah, you're lucky with hair. It is interesting, though, and, and, and again, uh, congrats on, on Sam Cook for his wonderful career. Um, uh but I am, I, you know, and people make fun of me because I do stand up for kickers and punters. And some people don't like, um, you know, games, uh, hard fought blood on the line and all that stuff coming down to, you know, just the kicker who doesn't even have to run the drills most of the time and all that. And I understand that, but I'm still truly amazed. And, and maybe it's when I see it live, especially, um, especially, you know, watch, watching Sam Foltz, who is going to go on to be an NFL uh, punter had he not passed away. Um, but, you know, just watching him live boom kicks in practice, just to, to see it without any pressure on him was just amazing compared to what obviously what the average person could do, but even like good, the other punters that were working out. Um, it's just crazy to me to watch somebody be able to launch something that far, regardless, you know, even, you know, you think about the, the furthest uh, drives with a golf club or, you know, home runs, all that stuff. I, I, I'm amazed by kicking. I can't help it. And, and you gave it a try, right? One, one time you were, you were okay at kicking, right? Didn't you even kick in high school? I did. Yeah. Um, I, I was a punter in high school uh, for for the team sometimes whenever there wasn't anyone available. I was a punt returner. I, yeah, I, I, I played a lot of different <laughs> roles. <laughs> yeah. Well, the D1 <laughs> yeah. athlete usually has to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I did. I punted some, and I could hit a few, but, you know, it, it, it is some technique involved. I mean, flattening out the foot oh, yeah. and you know, making sure you lay it down on the on the on the foot as opposed to dropping it. You know, you don't want to get you know that that flip flop. You wanted to have it you know kind of spiral out, which makes it go further. And it, it's a technique to deadening the ball, where then you might want to kick it with a little bit more spiral to have it land. I mean, with a little bit more flip to have it just drop. And you know, aiming the ball, you know, kicking it to corner. I mean, there's there's technique involved. It's not just kicking the ball you know what i mean yeah and sam so. cook was well known for that too kind of introducing the different type of kicks into the nfl uh, you know just kind of different techniques so um again just a, a great career and a great showing from a former husker there uh we're gonna take a quick break here on the on the block here uh, but we do have uh kevin meyer meyer's cork and bottle waiting on the other side of the glass ready for thirsty thursday what's are you pre-gaming already strick <laughs> Thirsty Thursday, baby. I'm about to fill it up. (laughs) Might as well. That's going up next year on the block on 93.7 The Ticket. 